0: your life your health your network you're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness
1: welcome to autism one a conversation of hope brought to you by the sensory learning center with host and mother of recovering child with autism betsy hicks all comments views and opinions expressed are solely those of the host guests and callers In the next hour, Betsy and her guests illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Betsy Hicks.
2: Hello and welcome. Today we have a wonderful show for you. We're going to be talking about ways of obtaining the appropriate services and support for our children with autism without going bankrupt. That's the trick. We'll be talking about ABA services, getting biomed uh, paid for, incorporating behavior supports in schools, and basically your built-in home-based support as well, be it insurance, TRICARE, Medicaid, or schools. We're offering today a lot of solutions, and the wonderful guest we have is Andrea Sovereign, and Andrea is, she's worked with various state and national professional groups that provides services to individuals with disabilities for many years. She's worked with insurance companies, state Medicaid plans, and federal entitlement programs to provide appropriate treatments for her son and, other's family, and other families both as a professional and as a volunteer. Andrea, thank you so much for joining us today.
3: Thank you for having me. Well, and I, I want to just add, I'm also a mom too. Oh,
2: that's important. I, I did say for yourself, but you're right. That, let, let's let's first and foremost say that you've got the passion that it takes to to get the answers made. And I have to tell you, um, I fear for the school when you walk into an IEP. <laughs> um,
3: yeah, actually, the schools learn early on to take me seriously. Yeah,
2: and that makes a big difference. The first question, I re- we have so much to talk about today, and I do want you to do it at your pace because you have a very good method to explaining things. But I really, there's a question that really has been daunting me on this for many years, and it's do these agencies, be it the insurance companies, the Medicaid's, the schools, do they make it difficult to fight and get services on purpose?
3: Actually... Yes and no. It's a yes question. Of course an insurance company doesn't want to pay for services. I mean, they they want to pay the minimum amount possible so they can keep as much possible in their own coffers. Mm -hmm. So, you know, insurance companies, of course. Um, Your state agencies, the bigger challenge with that is the system. Um, Each state determines how they're going to provide Medicaid, Title 19 services, or Medicaid waiver services. And they go on old information. most of these waivers were passed five, six, seven years ago, and the autism epidemic has finally reached Medicaid at a level where these states are scrambling to find fixes for the situation and also, with Medicaid, it is a federal entitlement program, and so it's based on what is best practices which is within the federal medical systems.
2: okay. Does does
3: that make sense?
2: It does. Okay.
3: And then the schools, the opposite. It's the same problem, same thought process. Right. Um, What is it? Best practices, evidence-based issues that we can afford to implement.
2: Right. It seems to me that the schools are not trying to make it difficult. They are put under (laughs) tremendous pressures from their who, who they need to report to, which is why they have to do the paperwork. Correct. Um, Of course, when you're dealing anything government, you're dealing with tremendous amounts of paperwork. So I I don't put a lot of blame on the schools when it comes to making it difficult to get services. But with the insurance companies, I definitely feel that, um, in in a certain extent, they want to a certain extent they want you to give up.
3: That is that is definitely true. Actually, with any bureaucratic system, whether it be a school which is funded or um, the insurance which is it's a private funding source but it's still funded um, the bureaucracy itself is there to keep you from fighting actually <laughs> uh, and what I learned to do and what a lot a lot of parents are learning to do is not just work with the system but to look to work around the systems
2: okay.
3: and to work through the the maze that is putting your put in your way
2: okay all right so let's start with Let's start with therapies before, okay. if we could start with the ABA programs first. Okay. Because that is something that's, and, and does it have to be ABA? Can we, can we make this a general statement for it? could be um, floor time. It could be the, RDI, any type of a.
3: The challenge with the difference between ABA versus RDI, for example. Right. Is ABA was uh, recommended by the Surgeon General of the United States in the December of 99 report on Children's Mental Health as an Effective Treatment for Autism. Okay. And so this has already been published by the Surgeon General as a good therapy. And so for pushing for ABA is actually the the easiest to push for.
2: I totally understand.
3: However, there is a couple loopholes that are possible with things such as sensory integration Mm -hmm. or RDI, actually, depending on who implements it. Because if you happen to find an occupational therapist or or a speech therapist who is doing sensory integration or RDI, it can actually be billed under speech therapy. Does that make sense? It does. It's a way of working around the system where you have someone who specializes in music therapy or sensory integration or um, water therapy for a physical therapist. Right. Right if they are specializing in that area and they're approved by an insurance company to provide the service and that the child is receiving the service and has shown need of it, you can actually integrate those programs within um, your overall programming for your child. That was something that we implemented was um, the OT that we we got for Colin was a sensory integration specialist. Right. She worked with him in school and she happened to be on the state Medicaid program, so we had her for her, his Medicaid, too.
2: Okay.
3: So we had a crossover so on t- his OT. Me,
2: okay. So tell me how you went about getting this covered then.
3: Well, which part? The,
2: the ABA part.
3: The ABA. All right. Well, we were, with the, um, we were with the military at the time. Right. And there was a program called Program for Persons with Disabilities, which is now called the Extended Care Health Options. And... <clears throat> We had to meet certain criteria to be eligible. And uh, Colin was determined eligible. Um, and who,
2: who, by, by, through the, through the Medicaid, through the service, that's who had to determine if he was eligible.
3: Well, TRICARE, TRICARE. is the military medical entitlement. Okay. And Congress determines what is going to be implemented. And then it becomes part of the regulatory process the bureaucracy, on how they implement it.
2: And do they send somebody out to determine that, or do you have paperwork through? I had paperwork. Okay.
3: I submitted my documentation of disability. There was a... It had to be signed off on by the Exceptional Family Member Program doctor. Okay. And the school had to deny that they were going to provide ABA to Colin in the school environment. Okay. I sent that forward along with my documentation to support the need based on diagnosis and his level of functioning. Now, Collins functioning, when he was diagnosed, was severe autism. Mm-hmm. So he was very, very low. And <clears throat> at the time, he, was, he made a few gains because we we'd started the diet, right. but it was not tremendous by any stretch of the imagination. And so we submitted, and we were able to become approved for it um, to, provi- to get ABA paid for through TRICARE. Program for persons with disabilities. They paid a thousand dollars a month. Wow! For his consultant and his therapist.
2: And who did the consultant have to be licensed in a certain?
3: The the consultant did have to be um, an authorized provider for Tricare.
2: Okay. And how hard was that to find?
3: It actually wasn't. We were, we became we were very lucky in that she was a Medicaid provider in the state of Florida,
2: right. and since
3: Medicaid. And Tricare are both federal entitlement programs. They're supposed to be reciprocity in place. Okay. If you're a Medicaid provider, you should be able to become an authorized provider under Tricare.
2: Okay. Are, are there enough of those out there? I mean, is, is it when you said you're, you're lucky to get her? I mean, is it hard to even find the people to do it? Because even if you could get coverage, that's my, my probably one. Well, I'm the concerned.
3: other the other thing about that particular um, for ABA. Is also they have the um, BCBA um, behavioral consultant uh board. There's a there's a national board right. board certification process, and with that, um, actually with Tricare is trying to determine whether that's going to become their certification process for these consultants. Okay, which is unique for a federal entitlement program to say, well, yep, you know, this is actually a good certification process. I think we're going to determine that these individuals are appropriate to develop these plans for this disability. Okay. Um, It is actually, when you look at a greater scheme, it's it's quite a step forward. But the other challenge comes is it's not necessarily the consultant. It's the therapist. Mm -hmm. It's the person who comes one-to-one, you know, five hours a day. Right. That most people have trouble getting paid for, yeah. And the reason for that is, of course, there is no base certification process um, for someone to provide this. Okay. Um, one of the comments that I've heard said is that you know it's easier to get a respite provider who has very little certification process than a therapist.
2: Right. And well, I can imagine just the training and the the turnover and the training of this. Has to be a nightmare for a lot of these agencies.
3: It, it is. It is it, the it, the training process. And when I worked for the state of Arizona, we had the same problem for our trainers and our and our therapists, one to ones. Um, and we called them habilitation providers. Mm-hmm. And that's a very easy way for me to remember is that they're trainers. They do the one to one basic training. Now the state of Arizona had their habilitation providers certified. Okay. And so when it came time to switch for the state of Arizona Medicaid program to implement ABA, they could use the habilitation providers. Okay. Because they're already certified. And just for the additional training of the ABA. Okay. To provide those one to one.
2: Great. Great. Sorry, I keep interrupting you. So you you continue on because you you've got a you've got a better way of explaining this than I probably could even guide you no. to.
3: And with with Tricare again being a federal entitlement program, and Medicaid also a federal entitlement program, the bigger change differences is that Tricare, since it is for the whole Department of Defense, right? They're really you can tweak. Oh, oh I'll finish okay. this in a little bit. <laughs>
2: it's okay. We can. You don't have to, to, to break that quickly, but that's fine. We're gonna we're gonna take a quick break here. When we get back, we're gonna talk to Andrea Sovereign more about how to get these these agencies to be paying for your child services. We'll be right back.
0: a fresh look at today's health voice america health and wellness
4: we had a wonderful experience in our trip to the sensory learning institute and the main issue To sum everything up is that we went there with a child who was out of control and hyper, who had severe sensory issues and autistic tendencies, and we brought home a child who was vastly different. We brought home a child who plays with me and talks to me and looks in my eyes and tells me he loves me.
5: The goal and focus of the sensory learning program is to enable the central nervous system to better process sensory information by simultaneously stimulating visual, auditory, and vestibular systems with light, sound and motion. By challenging these three sensory systems to work together and adapt to multi-sensory input, this intervention often improves speech, perception, understanding, social interaction, coordinated movement, and the ability to learn. We invite all parents interested in sensory learning program for a child to complete the confidential assessment on our website at www.sensorylearning.com.
1: Omega Institute is the country's leading center for holistic studies. Now you can experience selected workshops from Omega in the comfort of your own home. Join us for a live web broadcast with John Friend, the founder of Anasara Yoga. In this dynamic workshop, we learn a Hatha Yoga system that is a celebration of the heart and looks for the good in all people and all things. To find out more about our live web broadcast, log on to our website www.eomega.org. That's www.eomega.org, or. Call Call us at 800-944-1001. That's 800-944-1001.
6: To perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, brain, and body on Voice America Health and Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose.
2: Hi, this is Mark Victor Hansen. You know me for Chicken Soup for the Soul, the One Minute Millionaire, and Cracking the Millionaire Code. And what I want you to know is that if you want to have rip-roaringly good health, listen to Health Crusades by my friend John Farley.
1: Tune in to Health Crusades with John Farley every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, only on Voice America Health and Wellness.
0: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program, here's Betsy.
2: Welcome back. We're here with Andrea Sovereign about talking about Um, the differences between TRICARE and Medicaid and getting services for our children. Can you pick up where we left off about talking more about uh, those differences? All
3: right. Well, again, TRICARE being the military medical entitlement, it is funneled through the Department of Defense, and even though it is implemented in um, segments or in in different areas by different contractors, they still have to follow a base regulation up top. Okay. Now, with Medicaid the challenge there is that yes, you have a, you have a regulation up top, but each state chooses how they're going to implement uh, it. That makes sense. Yes. And so it is the way, the, the funding mechanism and how they're, okay. they applied for the money that makes the difference.
2: Now I understand the difference. Okay. Because at,
3: for example, Arizona, their funding mechanism is much different in that every child who applies and is not found eligible for Medicaid gets Medicaid. There is no wait list. Okay. Because that's how their funding mechanism with the Center for Medicaid and Medicare Services works um, versus another state where they have $80,000 $80, for this waiver
2: right.
3: that they've got to spread out <clears throat> between all these kids. Okay. And so that is why in Arizona you actually can pay, they are now paying for ABA services for Medicaid eligible children. Up to forty hours up to the age of eight,
2: and that's exactly- I think that's similar to what we have here in Wisconsin too, through our Katie Beckett program here in mm-hmm. Wisconsin, yeah, and once again, it goes back up to that age of eight piece, which of course we moved to Wisconsin when my son was eight, which really
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: was not wise timing, but um that's oh, I actually think he was is just turned or about eight and a half or so, so well we and they' we still get Medicaid, we still get Medicaid.
3: Yep. For in Arizona, you can actually get hours after the age of eight. You right. just can't get up to forty.
2: Okay. Well, let me tell you what I did because I was in the position that um, I wasn't going to get it covered through the state, and because I wasn't in as difficult of a financial position as a lot of other families, what I did is I moved real close to a university. Um, About 15 minutes away from Whitewater University, that actually has a special ed department, and I found by, I, I was able to find, you know, basically a team leader, and for very affordably, I was able to run the program myself because, in the state of Wisconsin, there just there just weren't enough therapists to go around to even come out to come out to your homes, and it was just a nightmare of, they'd get to know him, they'd be with him two weeks, and then they'd be gone. And so um, I ended up doing it privately. And But well, the, and only way, the only way that that saved me was if you're by a university or a college and you can get the students, you can afford to do it a little bit less.
3: Exactly. Well, actually, um, for our program, we lived near a university, and I ran an internship program.
2: Oh, perfect.
3: Through the Department of um, Education and also the, psych- uh, yeah, the psychology department. And I had interns come in and they would work with my son and then I would report back to their to their uh their counselor right. and they would actually give them a practicum for it
2: okay that's that's perfect that's and, the perfect
3: thing to do yep yes. and I, again we had $1000 a month yes right um but I still ended up being lead therapist doing sure. all the documentation <laughs>
2: um, no doubt there
3: and one my my um husband at the time he was and um sergeant? Yes, a buck sergeant in the army. Okay. So we made very little money and we lived off post. Um and I was I was not working. Yeah. So I made everything. We didn't go out and buy cards, I made them.
2: Yeah.
3: Um <laughs> we used everything in our household as ways of in his programming. To encourage language, so yeah, do you, you have,
2: do. You have lists of things like that that you've personally made. I, I would love to. I, I, I bet I, you've come up with some just really innovative.
3: Stories. Actually, I do somewhere. <laughs> We've moved so many times with the military, so it was right. Um, but yeah, I do have somewhere um, his box of. I called it the box of wonder because um, you just never really know. And
2: oh, you, they're expensive. I mean, the, the the materials that are used in these programs can be outrageous.
3: Well, and that's what I never I never quite understood because, you know, McDonald's toys were happy things. Yeah. And they were wonderful reinforcers. Yeah. And you want to teach them about tableware. Go grab it. Um we we had plastic anyway, so you grab bowls, plates, forks, spoons. Yeah. Um you want big and small? Big bowl, little bowl. It, that was the way we worked it. Was very much We looked around our environment. What can we use? The other thing we did was we also integrated a lot of games.
2: Okay.
3: Um, At the time, Colin was very very much interested in blue's clues. Okay. So I made paw prints, and I took Velcro, and I'd stick them all over the house. Oh,
2: that's
3: neat. And he had a handy-dandy notebook. (laughs) And we would go around, but he had to say what it was.
2: Right,
3: and then he would get the paw print? And then he
2: gets the paw print. Perfect.
3: So it's really, it's environmentalizing. But it's being very creative with your environment. And when you're sitting at the table, Colin was not one for sitting.
2: Right.
3: Um, we were happy when we got five to ten minutes of sitting. But he was three.
2: Right.
3: I can live with that. Um, so we, it was building on what his natural curiosities were mm-hmm. and focusing on his strengths and that's part of that on the budget thing is not going broke right was you've got re- really had to be creative and i was very you know we were very creative in how we did it um that and also making we had started the diet as i said earlier and you know i made all the food myself
2: right which I, you know it's funny I've gone back to that. I started that at the beginning and then I did a lot of packaged things for a while and now I'm going back to making, as my son's get, he's gotten so much better, I definitely have more time freed up to be able to do that, but also because I'm just tired of all the extra fillers they put in everything. It's just a pure product when you make it yourself. So I have a tremendous amount of respect for, for making things um, yourself because I, I have to say that I have seen... I've seen so many families go into financial ruin because of autism. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's just tremendously sad to me how this happens. Um, but it also starts, I think, unfortunately, with this attitude of, well, it doesn't matter. Money means nothing. We'll do whatever it takes. And then at the very beginning, all the money is just being shoved out and shoved out and shoved out. And then all of a sudden, the the, the credit card bills are up to the top. You really look at what did you spend your money on, and it's sad because many times at the beginning, it's it's just it's just really not conscious thinking when it comes to what you're spending your money on.
3: Well, and I can I can honestly say, um, I actually know that Colin has now been re medically re diagnosed, and he lost his medical diagnosis of autism.
2: That's awesome.
3: <laughs> and he, educationally, he still gets services, but that's just to help him with these transition years, right? As he's getting older. And we started. The whole reason we started this is because we saw the difference. Right. Um, as I said, I wasn't working. And what made the difference was, of course, creative budgeting. And you know, doing everything myself. And I know, I know, from a parent's perspective, how can you do it all yourself? You, you run yourself ragged, and I did. I will honestly admit I did. However, I it, it, there was no two ways. But I also knew how much money we didn't have. Mm-hmm. So I did. We couldn't under, We couldn't overspend. Right. And.
2: But but don't you feel? I mean, you've worked with so many parents. Don't you feel that so many of the parents? Um, it's just not even. It's almost as if if they don't put themselves into financial ruin, they didn't do enough
3: sometimes you see that the other but sometimes yes sometimes i see that but some other parents i see are also well we can't do it because it's expensive
2: right well and if you don't yeah.
3: yeah you don't necessarily have to pay out a lot of money for a lot of this right now granted we do see um Colin is a patient of dr Streets. right um and so yes we've we've gone to there but we've also gotten that paid for too
2: which is another, which is our next topic. So we're going to get after the next break, but I still want to, to okay. talk more about this piece of it.
3: Yeah, the par- parents, you know, you want to try to push, you want to try to push, in, you want to pour money in. What you, It's not about pouring the money in. It's about pouring yourself in. Right. Um, you can get, you can, th- you know, money cannot buy love. That old saying goes. Right. And it's this truth. Money cannot buy the, cannot, for lack of a better term, cure your child. No. But a parent can't. It's not about how much money you spend. It's how you go about teaching them.
2: And, and, and I have to say, though, there, there are some families that um, really have put their – I mean, th- th- these are just all generic statements. Mm-hmm. I, I guess the message – we're going to be going to break in a short time, but the message I just want everybody to know out there is that um, there is a way to work around your budget you need mm-hmm. to find the practitioner you need to find the program you need to fight for what your child needs
3: and if, if well here's a great example you want music therapy right and you know insurance company will cover speech find a speech therapist who takes your insurance who does music therapy that way you don't have to pay for it. The
2: hard part is when you live in a rural area.
3: Granted, that is very, very challenging. And, and
2: that's what I hear mostly. We have to take a quick break right now. When we come back, we'll be talking more about how to get biomedical interventions paid for. We'll be right back. Don't go away.
0: opinions options answers voice america health and wellness
4: we had a wonderful experience in our trip to the sensory learning institute and the main issue to sum everything up is that we went there with a child who was out of control and hyper who had severe sensory issues and autistic tendencies and we brought home a child who was vastly different we brought home a child who plays with me and talks to me and looks in my eyes and tells me he loves me
5: the goal and focus of the sensory learning program is to enable the central nervous system to better process sensory information by simultaneously stimulating visual, auditory and vestibular systems with light sound in motion by challenging these three sensory systems to work together and adapt to multi-sensory input this intervention often improves speech perception understanding social interaction coordinated movement and the ability to learn we invite all parents interested in sensory learning program for a child to complete the confidential assessment on our website at www.sensorylearning.com
6: the pressures to be thin or ideal go beyond the hollywood headlines In fact, those suffering from eating disorders in the U.S. number in the millions and eating disorders such as anorexia nervosa, bulimia nervosa, and binge eating are more common than Alzheimer's disease. Eating disorders affect men, women, adolescents, as well as young children. On Understanding Eating Disorders, Dr. Tom Scales, an internist and psychiatrist, uncovers the causes and characteristics of various eating disorders and shares his expertise on current treatment approaches. Expert guests and personal stories from some who have recovered reveal the depth of emotional conflicts of these dangerously obsessive conditions and the resolutions that work. Tune in to Understanding Eating Disorders with Dr. Tom Scales every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Understanding Eating Disorders, the cycle of eating disorders can be broken.
0: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Betsy.
0: Welcome back.
2: We're here with Andrea Sovereign, and we're talking about how to get everything from your therapies to your medical coverage through not only your private insurances, but if more importantly through the Medicaid and through the state plans and things such as TRICARE. Um, let's talk now about biomedical and getting that paid for because let's start with the fact that most of the doctors that are treating any sort of vaccine damage or anything in that realm of thinking Um, and I don't want to just call it the damn protocol because there's a lot of other doctors who practice that without doing the damn protocol. So whatever it might be, um, very few to none of these doctors are going to be Medicaid, Medicare providers. Is that correct?
3: Correct. Well, it it really depends on the state and if they've decided to at least accept Medicaid. Um, Some can. It just depends um, on their training and their willingness. I've had um our doctors, there are some doctors in the state of Arizona that are more willing and open to the thought of helping these kids and looking at the actual medical issues. Right. And that is, it's a real paradigm shift, um, not so much for the families but for the medical community, is that they're actually opening up to the thought that there is something medically wrong with these children. Right. That has nothing to do with the mental health diagnosis of autism. In.
2: But as, as a Medicaid-Medicare provider, if a doctor is a Medicaid-Medicare provider, there are certain guidelines that they are required to follow, aren't they? And one well, of them is, is, you know, the vaccination piece.
3: Yes, there is a vaccine. Well, not necessarily. You can still waive that. Okay. Um, Colin, but- as long as you have an exemption on vaccines, right? a state exemption on vaccines, mm-hmm. they can't force you and you cannot be discriminated against.
2: Now, the Medicaid system at this time recommends that a doctor really should only, time-wise, have between three and, I believe, seven minutes is maximum with each patient. Correct. And you know as well as I do that these kids are not, come on in, here's your script, have a nice day. That's true. So how is a doctor supposed to do that in seven minutes? if they're a Medicaid, Medicare provider?
3: It can be a challenge. It can be. I, I've seen it done where you've had a Medicaid provider who works with a Dan doctor
2: okay. or someone who's... that. that's where I can see it working. Okay. It,
3: it can work very well if you have a cooperation with the doctor. Now, um, I found some doctors who are very willing to work with other doctors for other issues and to get things for tests run. Right. Um, because you can get the, the majority of the, you know, some of this blood work you can actually get paid for. Certainly. The SAGE test
2: right, can, right.
3: Be done, can be done through um, TRICARE and through these other things, as long as it's the Medicaid provider who writes the script.
2: Sure.
3: So these are possibilities. It's just you want to find, you know, if you're on the Medicaid waiver program, you find a doctor and your doctor, you talk with them saying, you know, I'm going to be seeing this specialist for some of these medical issues. I'm not expecting Medicaid to pay for it. I will pay for it. However, would you be willing to work with this doctor?
2: That's the way to word it. That's perfect, because that's huge. Because if the doctor can write a prescription for blood work, for example, for immune panel blood work,
5: mm-hmm. and
2: you take that back to your Medicaid, Medicare Medi- provider, the TRICARE provider, and you say, can you rewrite this script so that it's under under your recommendation mm-hmm. piece, and then this way it gets covered, and then you forward those results on to the other doctor that you're working with. Correct. Now, just to warn parents out there, you know, there, there's a certain, um, there, there's two things. Yes, there's the ego piece that comes with doctors that, what do you mean, I, I know what this is and this is this is nothing. I mean, I, what what's the purpose of running these? That's, that's what you're going to get a lot from the, those with the ego piece. But well, there also is some restrictions that they have under sometimes if they're under formularies doctoral, within the right.
3: systems. And that's where your contractor or insurance company decides what they're going to pay for and what they don't of the pharmaceuticals, right. and of the um, <clears throat> and of the different types of tests. And but the other thing that you can do is look at it very honestly. Mm-hmm. Your child is having yeast issues. Right. You can they they get sweaty and they smell like baked bread.
2: Exactly. And get it from the diagnosis piece, not <clears throat> from the autism. Right. That is exactly right.
3: And and you you really push that with your with your regular doctor, and ask them and say, "Can you not smell this child? I can."
2: For those of you who who have not heard my previous show, I did a show with Gail Borgard, who works, um, and it's on archives for um, Voice Voice America and Autism One, as well as my website at Pathways Med. But just so that you know, she we we spent a lot of time talking about everything from. how to deal with heavy metal toxicity? Not calling it necessarily heavy metal toxicity, but she has she has really great terms of, of what you need what they need to hear in order to get it covered, mm-hmm. and that that's really important because um, you do not want to be bringing up the autism piece. There are a couple no. of states. I believe Georgia is one of them, though I might be wrong. But Georgia is one of the states that will um, take autism and. Go further with it biomedically than other states will.
3: And I know in New York where they just passed the legislation um, for changing the definition. Right. They actually will take the legislation is meant to take it further as well. Okay. And California also um, under AB eighty eight allows for more leeway in getting um, things paid for through insurance. Okay. For the medical piece, because again, it's the mental health parity. Um, just because someone has a mental health disorder does not mean you can discount any physical symptoms the child has. Right. Um, according to current medical paradigms.
2: So, you know, you can you can say to your um, Medicare, Medicaid doctor, um, I, I want to test for heavy metals. But, of course, that's not really going to work because they're going to do a serum test, which isn't going to tell us much of anything. Um, but you can say things such as, you know how are you going to test for yeast? And in most of their most most of their knowledge is just really is well. We can put them on nystatin and just try it. And like no, that's not what you want. You want to actually have a baseline. You need to have a test. So please, um, anyone listening out there, find keep keep going to a doctor within the system until you find one who's willing to cooperate with you, because there are some that are out there and yes. they're and just like you said, Andrea, they're emerging, but. Um, you may not, may not be the first one that you come across. Right. Okay. And or the second or the third <clears throat> even.
3: <laughs> well, and see, where we were just at in Arizona, it's a small town and there were two or three doctors who were willing to work with um, different doctors. Actually, my son's doctor worked with Dr. Bradstreet's office. Right. Um, on a lot of what we did, we got a lot of things paid, I mean, quite a bit paid for um, just by helping build that bridge and those partnerships. And even now, since we moved to Indiana, they're the doctor we have now. I get a script and I take it in and we'll run this test. We'll get this prescription rewritten and it gets paid for. Right. But I also took the time... Part of it is also you as a parent taking the time to develop those relationships. Yes. And getting to know the doctor and knowing your child and being able to describe what's going on. Yeah. In detail. Um, And this kind of goes actually to other areas... with insurance, with medical, and actually with educational, too, is knowing your child.
2: It's very hard to get educated as a parent um, if you try to stay within your community. However, you go to Autism One Radio, of course, Voice America and Autism One Radio, you can sit in the comfort of your home and listen to lecture after lecture after lecture on topics that you think are about your child, That education is what wins the battles when you go into the schools or when you talk to your insurance Mm -hmm. companies or your doctor because they'll walk all over you if they know that you don't know, you know, well, I was told that a diet might be beneficial. You don't really know why, and I think my child has food allergies to gluten and casein. Well, then they'll be like, okay, well, let's give them a pin test for... You know, gluten and casein, no, that turned out fine. Well, it's not an allergy to gluten and casein. It's an it's a inability to break down a peptide. And, and, and that's where it, to know the words to have to use will help you. And there are plenty of free ways to get education.
3: Yep. That, that's for, that is very, very much affirmative. And also, the, the way you describe it, when we started the diet for Colin and uh, we went in, we had a script for the diet, which helped us. But, also, I described to them what would happen when he got something he wasn't supposed to eat. Mm-hmm. They didn't believe me until the first time they gave me something
2: <laughs> I know, and I, we we
3: lived with it for about a week of the problem,
2: yeah,
3: but the, when they see it for themselves right um the same thing came with the one to one training we were doing with the a b a program. You can show them it's effective. You know, you say you want to make these changes. Okay, first tell the school how it's effective for your child. You know, you were able to show them that you can get him to calm down in, ten, in by the count of ten because mm-hmm. you've gotten him to the point to count, calm down by the count of ten.
0: Right.
3: And all of a sudden, they like you. Yeah. And they would be willing to do more for you. Yeah. And let's say you go in and you want to start... um a ha, start doing some ABA programming in the school. Just a couple of the little skills.
2: Right.
3: Show them how it works. Yeah. Show the teacher. Right. Show the aide. Don't necessarily take it to the IAP. But show the show the people that are working one to one with your child how it works. Because then you also get their respect because you're show they show see you as knowing your child. If, when you're at the table at the school if they respect you as a parent, as someone who knows the child and actually once was in the best interest of the child,
2: right.
3: you know, you, you don't want to walk all over the school, but you want your child to succeed in the classroom, they're more more than willing, they're more apt to work with you as a parent.
2: The schools are going bankrupt. There's, there's no question about it. It's, it's yeah. happening in, in cities all around. Um. And I have a lot of sympathy for the schools because of the fact that it's been the government that got these kids sick. And now these individual city schools and um, county schools are the ones really having to deal with the brunt of all the disabilities that are coming into fruition.
3: My my um, mother-in-law has been a teacher for 35 years in elementary school. And since she's worked with our son... She it's actually helped her as a teacher, because she um she recognized that there's this influx of children with autism and ADHD. Ten years ago, she didn't have any in her classroom. Right. This year, she has eight.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: Okay. We're we're gonna. And that's
3: a small rural town in Iowa.
2: Yeah. Oh. Yeah. No surprise there. I know. I know the rate at which it's increasing. We're going to take a break, but when we get back, we got to hit the school piece a little bit more. Okay. Um, I want to talk more about um, how to get benefits through your school without, um, well, without trying to, to have to really go to court over it, which a lot of people are doing. Right. Um, we'll be right back with Andrea Sovereign. Don't go away.
0: Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health and Wellness.
4: We had a wonderful experience in our trip to the Sensory Learning Institute. And the main issue, to sum everything up, is that we went there with a child who was out of control and hyper, who had severe sensory issues and autistic tendencies. And we brought home a child who was vastly different. We brought home a child who plays with me and talks to me and looks in my eyes and tells me he loves me.
5: The goal and focus of the sensory learning program is to enable the central nervous system to better process sensory information by simultaneously stimulating visual, auditory, and vestibular systems with light, sound, and motion. By challenging these three sensory systems to work together and adapt to multi-sensory input, this intervention often improves speech, perception, understanding, social interaction, coordinated movement, and the ability to learn. We invite all parents interested in sensory learning program for a child to complete the confidential assessment on our website at www.sensorylearning.com.
1: Omega Institute is the country's leading center for holistic studies. Now you can experience selected workshops from Omega in the comfort of your own home. Join us for a live web broadcast with John Friend, the founder of Anasara Yoga. In this dynamic workshop, we learn a Hatha yoga system that is a celebration of the heart and looks for the good in all people and all things. To find out more about our live web broadcast, log on to our website www.eomega.org That's www.eomega.org Call us at 800-944-1001. That's 800-944-1001.
0: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program, here's Betsy. Hello
2: and welcome back. We're here with Andrea um, Sovereign, and we're talking about schools right now and and how to get the most amount of benefit out of your school and the most amount of services out of your school. Um, We're talking about how schools are not in good financial situations right now, and we're definitely very sympathetic of that. And we have a lot of teachers that listen to the show, and I want you to know that – you know it's not a us against them type of a philosophy. It doesn't need to be that way, but certainly as a parent, you want to get the most that you can for your child. so if you could explain to us Andrea what what you feel about this
3: well when you're when you're when you're te- when you're discussing with the schools your child, one of the things that comes in is vital is knowing like I said, knowing your child, knowing who they are, knowing what they like and what they don't like. And being able to sit at the table and say, well, loud noises and bright lights and fluorescent tubes really make Johnny very upset and agitated. Right. However, earphones during an assembly helps Johnny stay still so he doesn't scream. Right. Knowing how to accommodate some of the challenges your child is running into.
2: What about, though, the challenge of, you know, you have a child that's nonverbal and they only want to give you one hour of speech a week.
3: Well, I would be asking, how are we going to facilitate communication for this child?
2: And are so we going say, well, to are do- going to do PECS, and
3: we're going to, you know, that's the, the typical... Uh, we're going to do PECS? All right. So PECS is going to be integrated in the classroom? Who's going to be making sure that they're paying attention to when the child's talking with their communication system? Right. Who's going to be observing this? Right. I mean, if, if it's the teacher and six other kids all using PECS, the teacher only has two eyes. Yeah. Somebody needs to be there to help when everybody's trying to communicate it at one time.: Right.. right. Because what will happen is, even though we as parents find it very frustrating, the screaming, the, the, the different behaviors, the behaviors are a form of communication. Right. So if we're going to give the child a communication system, we better know we better have appropriate supports in place to make sure the child's being listened to, so it becomes functional. And if it's not happening in the school system, you need to ask, okay, so this is not going to be a functional communication system. What are we going to use? Right. Sign language. We can use an augmentative communication device. We can use all sorts of other means to elicit communication. So, so they're s-
2: not going to give you more speech therapy because they say, you know, our speech therapist is only allowed to give this, this is our standard school policy, this is how many hours we're going to be able to give you. Is, you, is, you need to talk about what can be done in the daily piece of the classroom to help augment...
3: Right. If 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 it's a one hour is going to be sufficient to teach the child how to use this communication system, all right. Is that really sufficient to help this child learn the communication system? If not, how are we integrating it in the classroom and what supports are going to be in place to help the teacher? Because it's not fair to ask the teacher to bear the brunt of this teaching on a communication system when it is a speech related goal without the appropriate supports by the speech therapist and possibly an aide.
2: Right.
3: And there are things related to the communication system which could help with inclusion of an aid and also flipping the cards. Some kids have OT issues where flipping the cards would become a problem. So we're going to use PECS. The child needs help with OT with flipping the cards. We might need extra OT to go with it. Okay. So it's building it. Okay, we've identified the needs of this communication system. How are we going to to fix it? And then you also can build goals around that. The child will be able to flip the cards over. You know, you as a parent can come in with goals to an IEP.
2: You should come in with goals. You should have
3: come in in with goals. And also be able to explain why this goal impacts different areas. Okay. Um, Right now we have social goals in place for Colin, and we're talking about larger settings. Do they really impact the classroom? Eh, not always, but they can and they do on occasion. So we make sure that it, it fits everywhere within the educational system so that way he can access the curriculum.
2: How do you know what the laws are of, the, of their particular individual education system?
3: Well, they all fall under the Individual's Educa- individual, Edu- individual Disabilities Education Act. Um, I worked for a parent training information center, and we had to learn the law.
2: Okay, so how would it, where would it, Is there Internet information? Well,
3: there is. Every state has a parent training and information center.
2: Parent training and information center. Right.
3: And you can find out the one for your state at www.pacer.org. Pacer? Uh-huh.
2: P-A-C-E-R?
3: Uh I do believe it's P-A-C-E-R, yes. Okay. And um, that is also, they are all federally funded through the IDEA. Actually, they're Part D services. And they are free of the parents. And you could have an advocate come with you to your IEP from a parent training and information center.
2: Wow, that's great.
3: Mm-hmm. And they can come help teach you about the law, how to work with the school. Okay. It's always better to build bridges in the school All right. than to burn them.
2: Okay. We have very little time. And I okay. just want to make sure that you have a, an opportunity to talk about your t- your basic Tips and tricks.
3: Okay, Um, basic tips and tricks. Again, it's knowing your child. Okay. Really, really knowing them, um, loving them for who they are, because they are funny. I mean, they're they're wonderful people. They are. They really are. Um, But don't give up. Don't ever, ever, ever give up. Um, You expect if you expect them to learn how to go to a restaurant and eat, well, first you have to be the one willing to take them out there. Yes, you're going to have to deal with the stairs. But you teach them how to go to a restaurant and eat. Um, When we started Colin's program, he could not go out to a restaurant to save his life. We were stared at. It was horrible. We couldn't even go to Walmart. Now he's my favorite grocery shopper. I mean, he helps me shop. We go to a restaurant and he orders for himself and has great table manners. If you don't expect them to do it, they'll never learn it. But you, if you expect them to learn it, they can and they will. Um, the other thing is, is be a parent. You know, you're the ones making, you're the one making these decisions. Um, in my family, we do things a little bit differently on some stuff than other families, because we're a lot more relaxed on certain parts of life. Right. So that's okay. But we made that decision. That wasn't as important to us as Colin talking. Right. <laughs> um, it's when you make the decision, you stick to it. You make the rules the boundaries, you stick to it. Because a three-year-old, no matter of, regardless of ability, can manipulate a parent to do whatever they want to do. It's how they manipulate you that makes the difference. I have three-year-old nephews that, have, that are very, very good.
2: <laughs> right, right. Okay.
3: So it's like, if you've made the decision, this is my boundary, we're sticking to it, yes, you're going to have a battle of wills. Sure. Whether the child has a disability or not. It's just how you respond to it that makes the difference. Um, our first behavioral therapist gave me a wonderful piece of advice: move your buttons. Ah. When your child press. <laughs> oh yeah. When the child, regardless of ability, is is really wanting their way, they will push every button you have.
2: Yeah, I know my son's good at that.
3: Well, so so is my daughter who doesn't have a disability. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, tell me about the advocacy piece that you practice. Okay. Just practiced.
3: Um, Basically, advocacy is learning to stand up for yourself and your rights.
2: Okay. Whether
3: it's the school, with the insurance companies, especially the insurance companies, um, whether it's the federal entitlement programs, it's saying, no, I know my rights. Make sure you learn them and you know them and you can stand up for them. Um, Be willing to not take no for an answer. Mm -hmm. Appeal. Definitely. Fight for what you believe is the right thing. The other piece is, is if you believe what they're doing is wrong, don't be afraid to use the court system effectively, or even better yet, the political system. We now have a 501c4 in the autism community who fights our political battles for us. We don't use it, we're not using it yet,
2: as well as we should. Right.
3: But they look at the autism-related issues. Now granted, our nonprofit organizations have been giving us information, but the only one is actually set up to fight for us.
2: Sure.
3: Um, And that's the 501c4. Okay. Because of federal regulations on nonprofit organizations. The other ones can get in big trouble for lobbying Congress. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, and that's just, be willing to look at what's going on in the political landscape, understand what's going on, um, how No Child Left Behind influenced our education, our ability to get our children educated, how... um, some of the insurance insurance laws going through, the one in New York State that was good, the ones in other states that are trying to limit coverage sure. are bad. Um, be aware and understand that you're going to have to fight somehow.
2: Do you offer your services for hire?
3: Well, I'm working on trying to get a 501c3, a nonprofit set up so I don't have to ask parents to pay for it. Um I would prefer to do it that way cuz I don't I don't like taking money to help families.
2: <laughs> you are so good at making sure that money doesn't doesn't come out of anybody's pocket and that's that's a wonderful. <laughs> definitely. Yeah.
3: Well, and that's the thing. I I I don't feel right doing that because that's you well, know, that's I've always
2: teaching. You're teaching. That's and that's exactly what it is that you teach.
3: Yeah, it's teaching how to not spend money, so why should I ask you to do that? <laughs> <laughs> but if crazy. if there were any groups that wanted me to come and And speak, I would be more than happy to do so i um I'm an autism one presenter. I do have a radio show on autism one as well. um so I'm more than happy to go speak. I would prefer a group come and ask me to do it, and that I don't mind so much as long as they pay my expenses. I don't really care <laughs> definitely
2: what what's your web what's your um email address
3: okay my email address is a sovereign a s o v e r n at Collins Journey. K-O-L-I-N-S journey dot org. Um, Colin actually has his own website.
2: Yay.
3: Yay. Uh, which shows his evolution. That's great. Um, from Both into and out of autism.
2: Which I'm assuming the, the um, address is colinsjourney dot org. Dot org. Yep. Very, very good. This is great. We've gotten some wonderful information today. Um, I, I want everybody listening to really understand that um, there are all different ways to go about this this journey, pretty much the mm-hmm. same the same journey that she's speaking of. Um, and you've you really, Andrea, really helped parents to realize that it doesn't always have to be about money.
3: No,
2: um, there are ways through either the government, through the schools, um, and through support in your own community. Well. That's a whole other subject on its own.
3: Well, real, real, real quick, I want to leave this yeah. with parents. Is that um, my son is now recovered? And we have zero debt relating to him.
2: Good for you. Amen to that. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. We'll be back next week. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye.
3: Bye-bye.
1: The Sensory Learning Center would like to thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Betsy or get more information, visit autismone.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks.